Hello, welcome back to the Pulpit to Pew podcast and this week's adult Bible study. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there that listen to the podcast. Is Today is Father's Day and I know I am just honored to have four children. I love them dearly and they'll probably never listen to this, but uh, I'm just so thankful for them. And Today in our adult Bible study, we didn't talk about Father's Day. We just continued on in our study of 1 John. Although a few weeks ago we did talk about our Father in Heaven, behold what manner of love the Father bestowed upon us. But this week we are dealing with how do we have discernment with different spiritual experiences. And so I think you're going to enjoy this study. Thank you for being a part of the podcast. As always, make sure you hit subscribe so you get notified to every podcast that comes out. So without further ado, here is this week's Adult Bible Study. 1 John chapter 4 is where we are. We've made our way to 1 John 4. We're going to finish, well, we won't finish chapter 4 today. We'll be, we've got chapter 4 left, chapter 5 left, and then we're going to do 2 John and 3 John, which are very short, and then we'll uh, have a new study, and we can, you'll have some elective classes. You can choose which, what you want to study at that point. But for now, we are still in 1 John. We've come to chapter 4. I want to ask you a question, and it may, uh, I'll leave it for a little bit of awkwardness, and then I'll just answer it myself, all right, just for because. But maybe some of you can remember back to week one, and in week one, I did give a lot of context to try to help you to see what the book was about. In week one, though, I also brought up these false teachers that, had, that were in the church, these, these people that were among them in the church, and then they left. And then they were kind of criticizing the church, but they were there was a name for them. There were several names I gave because there's one big umbrella and there's several others. But does anybody remember what that is? Anybody remember? Nah. Starts with nah. Gnosticism. Very good. Very good. Gnosticism. And I don't even think you were here for the first week, were you, Nicole? Very good. I told Ryan to teach you that, and I'm sure he did. She's cheating on notes. All right. Very good. No, I'm kidding. Gnosticism, very good. And the Gnostics, it, 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 depending on whether you came down under the umbrella, there was doceticism, synthesism, licentiousness, all of these philosophies underneath that. And I won't get into all that right now. It's not for our study. But one of the things that they were teaching was that Jesus wasn't really human, that he didn't become man. So they were attacking the humanity of Jesus, which... We don't see that as much today. We also see the other side of it, which is the deity of Jesus. We see a lot of people say that Jesus was not God. And so that's more of what we see on this side of things. We see that in Jehovah's Witness. We see that with the, the, the Muslims. We see that with Mormonism. They will say that Jesus was not God, that he's a created being, that he, is, uh, uh, that when he was one of the first creations, and then he went from there. But they attacked the deity of him. But we were seeing in this, the attacking the humanity, saying, well, Jesus wasn't really God. It's just the Spirit came upon him. It, it, he, Jesus, the God, didn't become human. Just the human man named Jesus had the Spirit come upon him, and then he left. And then we, we talked a little bit about that. The reason that I'm kind of pointing that out is because today's lesson is going to be kind of about us having discernment. As a church, as individuals, we got to have discernment. He's going to say, look at the first verse. He says, Beloved, believe not every spirit. 
Now, when he says spirit, he's not talking about a ghost. Okay, so I'm not saying at the end of your bed, if you see a ghost, don't believe it, all right? If there's a little Casper right there, go ahead and scream and wake everybody up because that would be pretty weird. But what I'm saying is he's, the word spirit there has got the idea of spiritual experience. There's a lot of people that have spiritual experiences. And when I pastored, I heard of a lot of different spiritual experiences. Heard about, uh, you know, people, with, you, you just never knew what stories you were going to hear. And I think I've told you before, but somebody told me that they had a shelf and on that shelf was this, this emblem. And then that emblem, one day they stared at it and that emblem moved. And that's how they knew they had, they didn't use the word spiritual experience, but that's how they knew they were going to heaven. And I'm thinking, hold on a second. I don't see that anywhere in the Bible when I study the Bible. But people have spiritual experiences. Now, some of them are not just something like that. It may be an experiential experience of, of uh, th- this, tr- this person is very intellectual. They're very well-spoken, and they teach this, and they taught that blank. They taught whatever. And so they sound good, and they, they present it well. So do I just believe that to be true? Well, he says, believe not every spirit, not every spiritual experience, but try the spirits. Now, I do believe there's a spiritual tone to what he's saying. He's not just talking about a spiritual. This would be a spiritual experience, Sunday school. You're listening to someone teach the word of God. You ought to be trying me. You ought to be testing me to see is what he's saying lining up with the word of God. That's perfectly fine with me. And there may be some times in my lifetime that I've taught some things that now I look back and think, "Mm, I don't know, maybe I should have studied that out a little bit more. It can happen to any of them. So try the spirit, study the Bible yourself. And we're going to come to that maybe as a conclusion at the end. But there is a spiritual world that goes on. If you've, if you've heard me teach on this before, and I won't go down the rabbit trail too much, but there is a spiritual realm that we cannot see. Even in this room right now, as we physically sit here, we look at each other and see each other, there's a spiritual realm that we cannot see. And I, think we, I hope we understand that. There's several places in the Bible that's easy to go to to see that. It talks about that over and over again. But you remember Gehazi, the servant of Elisha? Do you remember that story? As they're hiding there in this battle, and, and Elisha prays, that open the eyes of my servant that he may see. And, and, and he did, and he opened the eyes of Gehazi, and Gehazi could see the spiritual warfare that was going on, not just the physical battle, but above the physical battle. He could see the spiritual battle, and it scared him to death, as it would you and me. I'm telling you right now, if all of a sudden God decided, let's play with Brad. And while he's teaching, let's just let him see the spiritual world going on in his class. And all of a sudden, boom, he hit it like that. And I could see the demons and spirit and angels and the battle going on over each one of you. I would pass out probably right here. I mean, it would be, it'd be pretty crazy. But every week, there's battles that go on that we don't even think about. Ephesians chapter number 6 talks about the spiritual battles that go on. He says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against princes, principalities and princes. And so there's a spiritual realm that we don't even see. So how do we tie those two together? Well, Satan likes to work. He's the great deceiver. He's the great liar. So Satan could use, or his spiritual, his demons can use someone that is a gifted speaker or talented on TV and can be saying all kinds of things to you on TV and you're watching going, wow, this is powerful. Satan can be used, and there's a spiritual realm and a physical realm going on to deceive. So how do we have a defense against the spiritual realm? How do we have a defense against a good teacher, something that sounds so true? I mean, you see some people, some Muslims are more passionate than Christians are. Very passionate people, very religious people, very, they worship their God. Three times a day, they'll get down wherever they are and bow towards a certain place. 
They're very religious. So how do we know? Well, he says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try or test the spirits, your spiritual experience, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Here's how you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. Now, he's giving his first test to them. you gotta, you got to apply it in context. For, him, for them, this is immediately what they were facing. This is exactly what they're facing. They, and I've already mentioned it with a little bit with the Gnosticism and these ones that were saying that Jesus was not God, but that, but that the Spirit just came upon him. So he said, here's the first test you're going to know. And the problem that was going on in the modern day church there, he said, if someone does not confess that Jesus has come in the flesh, that he's God, then that's a false prophet right off the bat. And so you and I, if we sat through a service, if we went to our friends, and I say friends loosely, I mean, they're not, I'm not saying there's anything bad about any of them. If you know a, someone that's a Jehovah's Witness, they may be good moral people. I'm not speaking evil of them. I've, we've got some a family through marriage that are Jehovah's Witness. I've dealt with a lot of Jehovah's Witness people, but they are false prophets in the, in the teachings of it. Because they do not believe that Jesus Christ is God. And according to this verse right here, every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. So he's saying someone that would teach that Jesus Christ is not God is of the spirit of Antichrist. Now you guys know who Antichrist is, right? We hear that term a lot in relation to the end times events. And during the tribulation period, when Antichrist comes up after about three and a half years, and well, he become up at the beginning of the tribulation, but at the three and a half year point, he is going to, he is going to break the peace treaty he is going to, all, all these things are going to happen. So Antichrist is the main, if, can I just say to my simple child mind, okay? Can I just say he's the main bad guy? Is that, I know it's childish, but can I go there for a second? He's the main bad guy we think about when we're studying the Bible. But he's saying the spirit of Antichrist is even in the world today. By spirit, I'm not talking about the you know, the behind the scenes. I'm just talking about the teachings of Antichrist, which is to attack Jesus Christ. That's to say that Jesus Christ is not God. That type of spirit is even in our world today. And, and the reason why teaching this lesson this week was a little bit tricky for me, because maybe I, I keep thinking that maybe you're going to be sitting out there thinking what I'm thinking. And that's why it's been tough for me to study this this week. Because to be honest with you, I don't run into this a lot. I've got my circle, and in my circle, I don't really run into a lot of people challenging me on Jesus, because we just kind of get in our circles. But I realize now more that I'm working back in the secular work field, when I was a pastor, I just am in a bubble. I've got a bunch of people that, were, that go to our church, and I'm kind of in a bubble, and I go to places, but you're not there a long time. Now that I'm working in the work field, you're around people, and you do hear things a lot, but I still don't have anybody coming up to me at work and saying, hey, Brad, I heard you were a pastor. Jesus isn't God. And then I'm like, all right, here we go. That doesn't happen, okay? So I, I, 
I don't see it a lot where I'm at, but different contexts, different places, and you may have some. Maybe it's in your family, or maybe you're going to run into it. So I do think it's important for us to see this text. Anyone that says that Jesus Christ is not God, he says, is of the spirit of Antichrist. And you and I have to know from studying the Word of God, and that's something you have to have firm in your heart. How do you prove that Jesus Christ is God? you got to be able to go to the Gospels and see where Jesus says, I and the Father and one. You've got to be able to see where Jesus, when he, when, during the, the baptism, he says, you're baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. He's showing them all to be equal. But you need to know in your heart, and I hope that if you're coming to a 10 o'clock class on a Sunday, you believe that Jesus Christ is God. But that's what he's battling right here. Now watch what he goes on to say, verse 4. He says, ye are of God. Talking to this church. He says, you're of God, little children. Remember, little children, if you weren't here for the earlier, it's not an insult. It's a term of endearment. He's an older man, and he's talking to these younger Christians. And so little children is a term of endearment. He says, and have overcome them. Because, and I love this verse. You've probably heard it quoted in church. just didn't know where it came from, maybe like me. He says, greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. How many of you have heard that quote before? You heard somebody say that before? You hear pastors all the time. Sometimes I'll just be ram, I'll be going and and everything, and I'll say, you know what? Greater is he that's in you that's in the world. And then I'll think, where was that passage again? I know it's in there, but I just say it. Now usually I can find them. But but this one is is kind of it's tucked into here in a unique place in the Bible. It's right after talking about trying the spirits. But then he reminds us about the Holy Spirit. And he says, greater is he that is in you, the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ in you, than he that is in the world. Now, we've already talked about the world some back in chapter number, chapter number two. The world, when he says, remember, love not the world, the world is not, he's not referring to the earth and things like that. He's talking about the system of this world that is controlled by Satan. He says, don't, don't love the system of this world and the philosophy of this world that's controlled by Satan. The philosophy of this world, if I could be careful and not try to get too much into the weeds, but the, the philosophy of this world would be something is, to, to take our modern news to say that a boy that's born a boy can be a girl. That's a philosophy of this world. That's not, that's not Bible. That's not being mean or hateful or political. It's really just Bible. The God says that he created him male and female. That's Bible. And so you don't even have to get political or anything like that. You just have the Bible. But then what happens is the world system tries to take the Bible that says God created a male and female, and it tries to, tries to wad that all up and say, no, that's not true. And the way they say that's not true is by saying you can be whatever you want. That's part of the world system. And so that's the thinking of the world, but that's not the thinking of the Bible. So you and I, to protect us, which is what I'm going to get to at the end of this, but I'm just filtered in, we have to know the Bible. The Bible is our protector. And so the world may say something like that. The, the world may talk about these alternative lifestyles and things that are okay, but we got to study the Bible. And the Bible says, no, this is wrong, that a man is a husband to be a husband, a wife, things like that. And so we have to know the Bible. It's not being hateful. It's not being unkind. It's not being, it's just being biblical. We've got to know the word of God. And you say, well, I don't know. How can I, and this, I've made this statement before as a father of four, how are kids ever going to pursue through this? I mean, our world is just crazy right now. And how are we ever going to overcome all that's going on? Well, I love what he said in this verse. He says, you're of God, little children, have overcome them. You've already won. You already have the victory. In Jesus Christ, we have already overcome because greater is he that is in you 
than he that's in the world. So now let me try to get practical. You have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. That's what he's saying right here. If you are saved, you're a child of God, you have the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ in the form of the Spirit lives inside of you. You've already overcome sin. I'm not saying you won't, you won't ever sin. I'm saying you can overcome sin. You've overcome situations. That's why these good news kids, some of these good news kids that you're going to see this week, some of them come from some pretty difficult homes, some pretty difficult past. And we're going to sit there and look at them and teach them the word of God that tells them you can overcome even what you've inherited in this life. You may have inherited no father. You may have inherited abusive parents. You may have inherited rape. You may have inherited these things in your life, not inherited in that sense, but you may have been the victims of these things. But greater is he that's in you now, the Holy Spirit, than he that's in the world. So you can overcome even the most difficult of circumstances because of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. So we as Christians shouldn't have this negative, pessimistic mindset that we so often have. We need to have the mindset of greater is he that's in me. The Holy Spirit's in me. So I may be weak, I may be fragile, I may not know the Bible real well, I may be struggling in some areas, I may have a bad past, but now I have the Holy Spirit in me. And so I can overcome, not because of me, but because of Jesus Christ in me. And I tell you, I, I'm trying to stay on track, but I love this truth. This is the New Testament. The, the, the greatest thing about us being Christians in the New Testament today is we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us all the time. So this verse applies to us every day. I get up tomorrow, I can say, hey, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I can overcome today. Every single day. But in the Old Testament, they didn't have that kind of promise. They, the Spirit would come upon them, but, but the Spirit could leave. And so, But today in the New Testament, we have the Holy Spirit. He's, he's part of our lives all the time. And so embrace that. The moment you want to get negative, and I get there. I, I, I talked about it this week on my podcast, but... I have a tendency to want to go to the negative by nature. I think about David, is who I was talking about on the podcast this week. David was a man after God's own heart, but he's been running from Saul, running from Saul, running from Saul, and finally one day he just got discouraged. And here's what he said. It says, And David said in his heart, I shall now one day perish by the hand of Saul. Now hold on, David. If you listen to podcasts, forgive me for already repeating this. But but I, when I was every time I read that, I think, David, what are you saying? You've already killed a lion, you've killed a bear, you've killed Goliath, you have the anointing of God. Why are you getting so pessimistic? Why are you saying I'm just going to die one day by Saul? Because life just kept hitting him and kept hitting him and kept hitting him and kept hitting him, and he finally just got discouraged and he said, I'm just going to die. Saul's just going to kill me. Well, here's a if if I. I can look back on it 3,000 years later and act like I'm a spiritual giant. Say, David, you're going to be fine. You know, quit whining. You're going to be fine. You're going to be the next king. Well, what if I was David 3,000 years ago? Just getting hit with life and life and life and life. Well, I already know because I've done it before. I wasn't sitting out with some sheep or in a cave like David, but there's been some times I've been driving in my car going, oh, I'm just, this is just over. I'm just done. Boy, you ever throw those pity parties? Am I the only one here that does those? Maybe you guys are spiritual. But sometimes I throw those pity parties and I start whining. Sometimes I wonder if God's up there in heaven thinking, didn't I give him a Bible? Doesn't he just need to open that up and see, greater is he that's in you, Brad, than he that's in the world. You can overcome your whining attitude, Brad. I don't know if God talks to us like that, but I just speculate. You can overcome that difficulty that you're facing 
Just keep your eyes on Jesus. And so one of the things that helps us, yes, in context, one of the things that helps us to overcome false teachers is to realize that we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us that is the discerner. He's the one that guides us and protects us. So whatever, as, as a Christian, you ought to learn, and I don't want to say learn as if it's something you have to do, but be aware of the Holy Spirit's presence in your life. When you, you know the Holy Spirit, so when you start to do something that's sin, all of a sudden you feel guilty, right? You feel like, ugh, that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit also will guide you to false teaching, but the Holy Spirit's going to work with something else. And I'm going to get to that. So let me just move on. I, I love that verse. So I've got to move on, though, because I'm going to get to that. The Holy Spirit's going to work alongside something else. Let's just do 5 and 6, and we're done. Verse 5 says, They are of the world. So the, the, these false teachers, these people that you work with that are not Christians, they're of the world. Therefore, speak they of the world. So don't be surprised when they act like the world. Don't be surprised when they think like the world. Don't be surprised when they change their views on things and you're scratching your head like, how do you ever think that way? But they're of the world. So they speak of the world. They're going to think of the world. It says, and the world heareth them. And so the world's going to accept them. Because it's the world system. The world system is controlled by Satan. So don't be surprised by anything. I mean, some of you right now, our older uh, generation that's in this room, I won't point you out, all right? Because some of you be like, hold on, I thought I was in the younger generation, all right? So if you're in the older generation, did you ever think our country would look the way it does? No. Now, in some ways, you have technology. In, and in technology, you probably didn't think it would be, and that's fine. But now, just, I mean, right now, everybody on their phone right now could get into some things they should not be looking at right now. Right now in this room, we could all just get on it and find stuff free. When you were, some of you are in your generation, you didn't have that as easily available to you when you were younger. And then we could go into the politics. Some of you, some of you when you were younger, you didn't have anybody. And Mike, you didn't probably have anybody. I'm going to put you in the older generation, Mike, all right? Darlene's not. You married young. But you probably didn't have anybody challenging you when you were in kindergarten saying, Mike, are you really a boy? All right? No, I, don't, I doubt they did that. It's a different generation. But why? Sometimes we look at that and say, well, how did we get here? Well, don't be surprised because the world speaks like the world. They hear the world. Satan is just patiently destroying everything that he can. So the only thing that we can do, I mean, we can sit back and worry about it. And we can sit around and be miserable. Or we can say, hey, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I can overcome every day. I can raise my kids in it successfully in a family, I can, I can overcome any of that because if I teach them the word of God, which is what I'm trying to get to, and I haven't got there yet. So let me just get to it so I can just wrap this all up. Look at verse 6. And then I'll get back to what I was just rambling on. He says, we, and in this we, I believe he's talking about him as the final apostle. We are of God. So you got the false teachers that have been teaching things. But he says, we are of God, and he that knoweth God heareth us. And the apostles had authority back then. I mean, they were speaking the word of God back then. And then it got recorded as scripture. And so he says, we as the apostles are of God and he that knoweth God heareth us. You listen to us. And that's consistent with the book of Acts when it talks about the, the they, they taught the apostles doctrine. And so it says, he that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So when he says, we are of God and he that knoweth God heareth us. I think he's talking about what we would say today, hearing the word of God. Remember back then, they didn't carry around Bibles. 
They didn't go to their house church and carry their Bible, and he didn't say, hey, open to the book of Luke, and they opened to the book. Didn't do that. They were living in what would become the Bible. Okay? So when the apostles spoke, that later became the word of God. The apostles had the authority to speak from God. And so that's what he's saying. When you hear us speak, you know you're hearing from God. And now it's recorded for us today in the scripture 2,000 years later. We have it. So what am I saying? Well, I've already mentioned to you, you have the Spirit of God living inside of you. The Spirit of God is going to help you. It's going to help you know, how do I raise kids in this world? How, how, do, I, how, do, I, how do I overcome anything? The Spirit, how do I make a decision on what job to take? The Spirit of God lives inside of you. But the Spirit of God will always react upon the word of god i call it is how i refer to it sometimes the spirit of god is subjective right like subjective i could say right now the holy spirit told me to slap ryan in the face could i say that now who's going to argue with me if i said the holy spirit told me to do it i slap ryan in the face and he wants to get i said whoa spirit told me to do it now i don't think he's going to back down and say oh okay but and so it's very subjective i we can say the spirit tells us to do anything so we can make that up. So how do we test to see if it's truly of the Spirit? This is the objective thing. The objective truth is the Bible. So the Spirit of God does move. I do believe the Spirit of God speaks to you. There's been times when I felt like the Spirit of God's moving me. He doesn't say like, hey, Brad, do this. It doesn't do that. That would be something else. I do believe the Spirit at times works in your heart and says, hey, Go, go talk to that person. Go encourage that person. Go witness to that person. I remember one time, it's clear as day, I was sitting pumping gas, and, and I felt the Spirit of God saying, you need to give a, give a track a, from a church track to that person that's pumping gas over there. I knew it. It's clear as day I should do it. It's not like the devil's telling me to do that, right? The devil's not like saying, hey, witness to that person. So I knew it wasn't the devil. I knew it was the Spirit of God. You know what I did? I chickened out. I didn't do it. And I felt guilty. I should have. Spirit of God. Now, I didn't take time to say, well, let me make sure this isn't the devil. Let me read. Oh, he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. It's the spirit. I got to do it. All right, here we go. I didn't do all that. I, you already knew it. That's why we got to study the Bible and be in the word of God. I think this, as you know the Bible, you have a more sensitivity to the Holy Spirit because it's the language of the Holy Spirit. So study the Bible. Get in the Bible because there's going to be times when you're like, I feel like I need to do this, but... And there's some, when I've counseled people, they, I've heard people say, I just feel like this is what God wants me to do. And I'm looking, I'm going, that, but there's like three principles in the Bible that you're breaking. Are you sure that's what God wants you to do? Because there's three principles that I just don't see. I don't know that the Spirit's going to lead that way. And so we've got to know the Bible. The Bible is the objective truth. The, the Holy Spirit's the subjective truth. But they work together in unison to guide us, to protect us, to empower us. Because greater is he that's in you than is he that's in the world. And the apostles' doctrine of the Bible that we call it now, that we have, is our objective truth. But you've got to know it. You've got to be in it. And that is what protects us and gives us discernment in an age of false teaching. We've got to have some standard. If we don't have some standard then we're going to be a mess. And for us as Christians, our standard is the Word of God and the Holy Spirit working together. And so that's why I'm passionate with our teenagers on Wednesday nights. Michelle's helping me. Ryan's helping me with our teenagers on Wednesday nights. I give them a passage. I give them a couple of books to help. And I say, go sit down and study this passage on Wednesday nights. 
I bring them back in 15, 20 minutes and allow, I'm trying to teach them to get into the Bible and to study it for themselves and to think for themselves because I want them to have discernment when they become adults. Because if they live, if my kids, I have four kids, if their whole life they need dad to tell them what's right and wrong, they're not going to be very mature. But the, the idea as parents, and times I fail, many more than I probably succeed, but at times as parents, we want to be able to teach our kids to get into the Word of God and to think spiritually for themselves so when they do go off to college and then we do get married, they are living on the biblical principles and led by the Holy Spirit. That's our protection from false teaching right there. And that's what he's talking about in this text. In this text, he's saying, try the spirits. Not every spiritual experience you have is of God. There are some that are of Satan. And you, the only discernment you have is the spirit in you and the word of God. And so I hope that this would be a challenge to you guys. I guess the takeaway, the takeaway before I pray is that right now in your mind, some of you, because I've heard it a hundred times, you're thinking, I just don't understand the Bible. Okay. That's normal. Probably majority of people in this room have said that at some point or another. So you have the Holy Spirit who's a teacher. You just got to start. The key is you got to start. And it takes time. It's like this crazy keto diet my wife is killing me on right now. It takes time. I gained 30, I lost 30 pounds doing it a couple years ago. I, I, I lost 30 pounds in about six months. I gained 30 pounds in about two months. It's weird how that happens. And so you may have had years of not reading the Bible and getting to where you are. So it's going to be a slow journey trying to learn and study and learn context. But you got to start and you can't get discouraged. And you got to pray before each time saying, God, give me something. Give me, I use the word nugget. God, give me one nugget from this that I can take through my day. And as you build on that, you get confidence. But that's what protects you and makes you a, gives you discernment. And I hope that you will at least take from this that there's a lot of spiritual warfare going on and you need some discernment. And this is where it starts right here. You have the Holy Spirit, but he wants to use this to guide you. And I hope you'll get into it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time, this study, this class. Lord, 